Jesse said, you know, Satan's on the ground. We kick him in the face. You go, oh my goodness, that sounds so horrible. You know, the Bible actually says that the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Yeah, it's a scripture right out of, this, out of the Bible. And, w- and what's awesome, it doesn't say that the God of peace will soon s- crush Satan underneath his feet. It says that he's actually going to do it underneath our feet. He uses the church in overcoming the enemy on this world. So we carry around in us the same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead. The Bible says that. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in me, and he lives in you too. Turn to your neighbor and say, he lives in you. See, it's warm, and I have to keep you awake this morning. Quiche goes right to your stomach, and it's going to be all over. I think we did find, we got the uh, AC on and turned that up a little bit. I'm sure some of you are very thankful. Um, No, that was not a hot flash you were having. Actually is getting warm in here. Amen. Wow. Well, again, welcome to Big Bear Christian Center. If you're visiting, I am so blessed. Thank you so much, Sean. Uh, So blessed that you've decided to come and and worship with us today. Um, Today is uh, the the biggest day for church attendance in the United States. Any any surprise in that, huh? Amen. Because it's such an important day for us. Um, 50% of the, uh, you know, there's a, a lie going around. That, that there aren't any Christians left in the United States of America. Are you feeling that? Like you feel like sometimes you're the only one? 50% of the population of the United States is going to be in church today. Is, yeah, so, you know, God is still alive and he is moving. Now, the bad news of 10 years ago, it was 60%. So... Is it declining? Yes. But that's all the more important that we as believers uh, who have the love of Jesus would go and help other people to know that same power, that same loving God that raised Jesus from the dead. Hallelujah. Oh, that's, that's nice. And I am not going to pour it out as an offering. I am going to drink it all. And if I drink it all, we'll have a shorter sermon. I can tell that nobody needs an explanation on that one. Amen. Amen. Well, it is Resurrection Day. And we know it, you know, commonly in the the United States of America. In fact, even in the church, uh, for many, many years, the church pulled against calling it Easter. And in the last number of years, you see more and more churches kind of embracing the term Easter. But really, it's Resurrection Day. And, and there's a little bit of a difference. See, Easter is, is today, but sometimes what people, when they use Easter, they, they want to pull the focus off of Jesus Christ. And now I am all for candy. In fact, after church, we're going to get together with my family and, and our extended family, and we're going to look for plastic eggs. I don't know when the Easter Bunny started laying plastic eggs <laughs> and when money got started getting put into those plastic eggs. When I was a kid, we used to hunt uh, hard-boiled eggs, why did we do that? I mean, do we really like them that much? Hey, let's go find some eggs. But we'd hunt those and maybe get some candy too. Now it's mostly plastic eggs and there's candy and of course money. And then I'm sure there's some uh, vegans out there that put carrot sticks right in the eggs or something. (laughs) More power to you. Don't invite me to your Easter celebration. (laughs) Just kidding. But, um, you know, it is, it's the resurrection. It's, we're we're going to celebrate the resurrection. Um, in, in, the, in the churches today, in the Christian churches, you'll see crosses everywhere you go. And one of the things that is most of them have in common, nobody's on it. 
okay? Nobody's on the cross. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Now, it's important to know that without the crucifixion, there is no resurrection. It's not just all let's celebrate. We had to come through this week where we understood and took the time to read the scriptures and realize that Christ suffered for our sins. He was crucified for our sins, but the cross couldn't hold him back. The grave couldn't hold him back. He rose again, and that's what we want to celebrate this morning. And already we've been saying it. I'm going to teach you something in case this is a, your, your first time in, in church. Um, there's something on Easter Sunday that we, we do, and it's very simple. It's been going on for a, a, more than a 1,000 years where somebody will say, He is risen, and the answer back is, He is risen indeed, just like that. See, well, we've already gone that. So let's try that. He is risen. Oh, very good class. Give yourself a brownie button after church. Go and get another snack or something for that. But see, it's important for us to know that he is risen indeed. He is alive. We do not serve a dead religion. Go into the other religions of the world and you will uh, go into the places. You can dig up the people who founded the religions without disrespect. We're not going to do that. I'm not encouraging us to do that. But you could find the bodies of those who've started other. Muhammad is actually in the ground somewhere. Gandhi is in the ground. Mother Teresa, as wonderful as she was as a Catholic woman, her body is still there. The one that you will not find is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, there is no body been found. A few years ago, back in I think 2007, somebody said they, they found the, the, uh, the, the box that Jesus was buried in. I don't know if you remember that. A, a man tried to make a documentary about it, and even the man who dug it up simply said, listen, we found a grave site with the most common names in Israel on it. Joseph, Mary, and, and, and Yeshua. In, in, in Hebrew, those are very, very, very common names. He says, so do I actually think this is the, the box that, that Jesus was found? He actually said, no, I don't. But somebody ran with it and tried to say, there's Jesus, there's his body, he's not risen. This morning, we want to really focus on the fact that Jesus Christ is alive, that he ro rose from the dead. Um, the, the sign out front said it just, just very well, well, he is risen, no fooling. Okay, uh, this is April Fool's. There is no joke in this one. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And that's what changes everything for us and sets Christianity apart from other religions. And, and everybody has doubts about things in life. Even the strongest Christian you know sometimes has doubts about their faith. I've been saved a long time. I've, I've been through a lot of trials. And, and every once in a while, I'm like, God, this is seeming really tough right now. Are you sure you're there? Okay, I'm just being honest. There's those times I just go, wait a second. Or when I see a tragedy happen uh, that, that is just unexplainable, you go, wait a second, is this true? There's times that we all have doubts, even the strongest of Christians. Um, and so if this morning you're here and you have some doubts about this Christianity thing or you have some doubts about the resurrection, you're in good company. We've all had doubts. We've all had questions. And today I want to talk to us about some, uh, and help us that, that we can trust what the Bible says, that the Bible's accurate, and that Jesus Christ actually uh, rose from the dead. So if, if you had some, uh, some doubts, if this is what, maybe your first time in church or you don't even understand the Bible, that's okay. You can breathe a sigh of relief. Um, uh, it's going to get better from here. Amen? Um, one, of the, one of the biggest events we have a problem with is the resurrection. Uh, historically, 
there is no doubt that a man named Jesus walked this earth. Historically, we know that. Um, anyone who says Jesus never walked has never even read history at all. Um, the question is, is, was he God? Did he, was he crucified? And even that is really not argu very arguable at all. Um, and so the, the question that becomes then, did he rise again? This morning, we're going to look at some actual evidences to the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Did you know it's not all about only faith? You, we, we put our faith in God, we trust him, but there is things that absolutely point to the fact that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Hallelujah. So what is it about Easter? What is it about Easter that, that makes it such a big deal in the Christian world? What is it about, about Easter that, that we celebrate this date again? You know, we've got a lot of us here this morning. Uh, this might be the one, once or twice a year that you come to church, and I'm so grateful that you came. It's wonderful. Um, but wh what is it? Why did you come? Why is today different for you than, let's say, May Day or the 4th of July or any other holiday? See, something that, that we're going to talk about, what makes today special? What makes it today a little bit different? It's not just a day that we dress up, and it's always fun to see on Easter. By the way, I didn't dress up. That's what I look like every Sunday. Um, but, you know, some, some people like to put on their best Sunday clothes for, for Easter, and, and that's wonderful. We, we come together, and we, we, uh, we do some special things, and then we get together with family, people that we don't like the rest of the year, but we must like on Easter, and we, and we eat candy, we do these things. What, what makes today different? And it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Easter leaves us this morning with two big questions. Did it really happen? Did the resurrection really happen? And the second one is this. If so, what does it have to do with me today? If it happened, how does that affect me? What does it have to do with me today. And so we're going to find out Easter is not just an ancient holiday. It's not just a time for watching the kids, you know, run around and get candy and then get the sugar high later. Um, it was actually a history-changing event. I mean, it split time in half, you know. Uh, even though we're trying to walk away, the, 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 the powers that be are trying to walk away from the fact that it used to stand for before Christ and, and the year of our Lord. Anno Domini means the year of our Lord. And they're now calling it Common Era they still started at the same point. So I don't care what they call it. What happened? Jesus Christ came to the earth and everything changed. And it can change for you as well. That's the good news, is it can change for you as well. So is the resurrection true? Well, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about, well, one of the things, we have four different Gospels in this Bible called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each one of them tell the story slightly different. Um, they actually probably did rely a little bit on one another, at least the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John was written very differently uh, at a later date. And these people were actually eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ. Now, some people will, will doubt that and question that information, say, no, it was just written by man who just made these things up. And today, by the end of this, uh, the message here, I'm hoping that you'll understand, wow, there is no way that these people made this up. There's too much evidence saying that they, they couldn't just make it up, and they also didn't just totally copy it from each other, and, and that they actually believed what they were writing. The, the early manuscripts of the Bible 
um, we're, we're very confident that, that the Gospels were written before 90, 80, and there's so much evidence to pr- prove that because of the style of writing. Um, at one point, they thought that maybe, you know, they, they thought they'd found proof that they were written at 150 AD, and then, then they found earlier copies. And, well, I guess that blows that. How could it be written at 150 if you found one you'd absolutely know was written in 125, right? Well, so some of the other evidence that says that it was written around the time of the disciples was that, that there was oral traditions of the Gospels already happening in the early first century, the second century. In the early 100s, there was oral traditions all the way as far down as, as Africa. How would they have known about a book that quick? Remember, there's no internet. You know, you can't just write something, post it online, and then while they get it in Africa, they were already oral traditions and then more written traditions all the way down in Africa at the beginning of the second century. How did that happen unless this, these letters, these gospels, were written down and people copied them and brought them to other parts of the world? This Bible is absolutely reliable. And the things that they say in it about the resurrection, we can trust as well. So we have the Gospels. Um, they're found in the, in the Bible there, and, and, and they just give us a great picture. The Apostle John, who wrote his Gospel a little bit later in life, had a disciple named Polycarp. And Polycarp is a man of history, absolutely undisputed, actually walked with John. He, he, was, he was a young man when John was alive, and, and John discipled him. And then Polycarp began to write the same things down that John taught him about Jesus Christ. And then from there, we know that the spread of Christianity and the spread of the church kept going and going, and it still goes today, and it's unstoppable because it's the truth. In addition to the Bible, we have there's a lot of extra-biblical, that means that the writings outside of the Bible, people like Josephus, who talk about Jesus and who talk about the disciples and different things, there's extra-biblical information that also back up the stories in the Bible and the people of the Bible. A, na- a man named Richard Pertill says this. Uh, he wrote a book called uh, Thinking About Religion. He says, Many events which are regarded as firmly established historically have far less documentary evidence than many biblical events. You know, that's, that's kind of a big one, right? And the documents on which historians rely for much secular history are written much longer after the event than many records of biblical events. Let me sum that up because I read that myself four times. Went, huh? Basically what it's saying is history has far less documented evidence of history than the Bible does. You've heard of Julius Caesar. Lived a, he, he, he died in 45 BC. He wrote a work called The Gallic Wars. The Gallic Wars, as some of you uh, people who actually college and as you maybe have heard of the Gallic Wars, they still study today. They, there is no documented textual evidence for that work that was written before 800 AD. 800. It, it, did anyone study that, by the way? Anyone remember that at all? Gallic Wars, Julius Caesar. A few of you like, well, okay. 800 AD was the first text that we have from that. Before that, everything else has been destroyed. We just, I mean, it was there. He wrote it in 45. We're not, we don't question that, do we? Julius Caesar, he's not just a play. He was a real man. But his works were not written down, at least we have no copies of them until 800 AD. Yet we believe it to be true. We absolutely know that there are texts and documents from the Bible written in the late 90, in the 90 AD, just a few years, 50 years after, the, after Christ. And yet people try to say it's not reliable. 
Homer's Iliad, there is 600, we've all heard of that one, Homer. There's 647 different parts of the document in, in, in all. 647 texts, scripts, manuscripts, and, and, and we believe Homer's Iliad. There's over 5,000 Greek manuscripts of the original of, of the Bible. 5,000. And people want to say, I just don't believe the Bible, but I'll believe Julius Caesar and I'll believe all these other things. As Christians, it's important to know what you believe in is absolutely sure foundation, Jesus Christ. So, and this is just a quick flyby. I wanted to kind of give us some of that um, to, to help us see what we have written today um, is, is a sure foundation. God put it in the hearts of men to write it down and it's been around for a long time. Let me give you a couple of people um, who were skeptics and tell you a little bit about what happened with them. They challenged the supposition that there was actually a resurrection. In the mid-18th century, a guy named uh, George Littleton, he was a lord. Um, he was a member of parliament, actually. He went, he went to Oxford. He tried to attack the basis of Christianity. And by the time he was done, he was going to write. A lot of these people went out to write a work that said that Christianity was a farce or the resurrection didn't happen. He took a year to establish his case. At the end of that, he wrote something exactly opposite, and he concluded that, that Christianity was is true. And he became a Christian. In 1930s, an English journalist named Frank Morrison attempted to discover the real Jesus Christ. Um, he just thought that history rested on insecure foundations and things like that. In his pursuit, he ended up writing a, the book called Who Moved the Stone, which was one of the most f foremost uh, books of, of helping people understand that the resurrection was true. He went to go prove it wrong and he found that it was actually true. Another man, Giovanni Papini, he was an Italian intellect of his period and he was an enemy of the church and he actually appointed himself, self-appointed guy of I'm going to debunk this religious thing. He became converted to faith in 1921 and, and penned the book called Life of Christ. See, my, my suggestion is this, if, if you don't believe today, the best thing you can do is go out and try to disprove it. Because in the process of disproving it, you're going to find out that it's actually true. C.S. Lewis was an atheist. He didn't believe it. He was converted to Christianity on the basis of the evidence. And he write, writes about that in Surprised by Joy. Pre-law student named Josh McDowell was a skeptic of Christianity. He believed that every Christian had two minds. One was lost and the other was out looking for it. Josh McDowell. While he was trying to investigate the tr Christian truth claims, thinking it was a farce, he accepted the challenge, went after it, and found that he could not prove that Christ was not God. In fact, he came up with that wonderful argument, there's only three choices for Jesus Christ. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or he is the Lord. He is who he says he is. Josh McDowell. Another one we're very familiar with recently is um, Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel's a journalist, atheist, didn't believe, and he went out to do a journalistic, uh, he tried to prove like a journalist would, would, would prove a case in writing an article, and he kept doing the research and kept doing the research, and he questioned, he says, well, if the Gospels are true, why do they differ a little bit like this? And he had all these questions, and after his journey, he absolutely proved that Jesus Christ was, was, was true, that Christianity was not a farce, that the Bible was accurate and that could be trusted. People, in other words, people a lot smarter than me, possibly smarter than you, 
have tried to debunk Christianity, it doesn't work. In fact, it's, it could have been summed up with this. If you could prove Christianity wasn't true, don't you think somebody would have done it by now? <laughs> it, it could be maybe just summed up in that. I just took 10 minutes to sum up something that simple. But I want us to go on and say, listen, Jesus Christ, the Bible, the historicity, the fact that he rose from the dead is, is we can trust it. Now you're saying, well, Pastor, all you've kind of trusted is that, you know, the Bible was probably really written by maybe those, those people, and, and can we trust that they weren't lying? Uh, can we trust that maybe it wasn't messed with later? And, and that's where you go, every time you think that it got messed with later, then they find a, a, a manuscript from earlier, okay? And if they would have messed with it, you know, would they miss with it from the very beginning? Well, then, you know, it, it just it doesn't work because all the manuscripts from Africa and different places keep coming together. In addition to that, we have some people in the Bible that are important. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. We will go in the Bible, by the way. Not just talk about it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians is written by the Apostle Paul. I'm going to start in, 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 in verse 3 and read a couple of verses, and then we're going to go back and, and finish up all the way to 20 later on. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. Okay, so Paul's saying, I told you what I was given, that I received. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Okay, so let me, let me go with that real quick. The Old Testament, written hundreds and thousands of years before the time of Christ, predicted that some guy would come and be born in, in Bethlehem. He'd be from Nazareth. He would be born of a virgin. He would be crucified. He would be not crucified alone. When he was crucified, a prophecy written a thousand years before said that they would take his clothes and they would, ca they would cast lots for them and divide them. He said that he would be beaten. He would be mocked. All the things that Jesus went through were prophesied a thousand years before. You try to figure that one out. How did Jesus do that one? Paul is saying, that which I received, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So, so he's, he's laying the foundation again that Jesus Christ was buried, and he rose again. And then he says in verse 5, that he was seen by Cephas, that's Peter, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. That's a lot. That's a, you know, it's hard to get your story straight with 500 people, by the way. And then he says, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. Fallen asleep means they've died. Why did Paul throw that in there? Basically, he's saying, go ask them. 500 people saw Jesus Christ alive. So did the 12 disciples. So did Peter. These 500 people, most of them are still alive. Go ask them if he's alive. And they'll say he is. Then he was seen by James, by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me, also as one born out of due time. So we have eyewitness evidence that says that they saw the risen Jesus Christ. Okay, it's kind of, kind of a school lesson here. Jesus was crucified for a few reasons. The Jews hated him because, because he made himself equal with God. Okay. Rome didn't like him because he was getting a following and he said that I was a, he was a king. 
So he wasn't liked by either the Romans who were uh, ruling or by his own people because he said he was the Messiah. He was God himself. And so they crucified him. Now, that makes him pretty unpopular. Wouldn't you agree? Jesus was not popular. Today, in our life, he's still pretty, he's pretty cool. You can talk to people and say, hey, what do you think about Jesus? Oh, Jesus was cool. You know, he's a good teacher. He's, he's, he's. Jesus was not a popular figure in this era. So that's important to understand because the day of the resurrection, the Marys run off to the tomb. They look for Jesus. He's not there. Peter and John run to the tomb. Look for Jesus. He's not there. Two disciples are walking along the road wondering what happened to Jesus. Jesus appears to them, finally starts appearing slowly. Supposedly, Jesus starts appearing to the, the, the people. When Jesus appeared to his disciples, they were hiding in fear. That's what the Bible says. They were hiding in fear because they were afraid they were going to get wrapped up in this whole thing. Remember, Peter denied Jesus three times when Jesus was crucified. Why do we see just a short time later Peter standing up in front of people, just about 50 days later, standing up in front of thousands of people and proclaiming that Jesus Christ is alive with 120 other believers? 120 people are now part of this deception and they're proclaiming this man, hated by Rome and hated by the Jewish leaders, actually rose from the dead. The man that they killed because of those claims, if you line up with him, guess what's probably going to happen to you? The same thing. And it did. By 70 AD, um, Nero was lighting Christians on fire in his garden so he could see. All of the disciples, all the apostles except for one, were all martyred, beaten with hammers, dipped in hot oil, crucified upside down, sawed in two, because they just thought it would be really funny to, to spread this rumor that wasn't true. That this is going to be a great April Fool's joke. Let's just pretend that Jesus Christ is alive and try to fool everybody. And hey, I'm up to death, aren't you? Now, I love good practical jokes. I love them. I mean, I like to make people, you know, squirm and get scared and do all that. I'm not willing to die for my practical joke. How far are you willing to go? The disciples were willing to go to death for the story that Jesus Christ was risen. I find it hard to believe that they made it up as some type of a ruse. Paul was a Jew, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He came from a good family. He had money. He had influence. He persecuted Christians. He was at the stoning of Stephen the very first Christian martyr. And sometime after that, thought it would be a good idea to join the joke. Really? Is this what people say? That, that, that they always made this up? That they're just going on some ruse? No. Paul was drastically, dramatically changed, and he paid for it. Beaten, imprisoned, shipwrecked, vipers. All for what? because he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is risen. Amen? Beyond a shadow, there was no question for these, these men. They believed it. And they stuck, they staked their whole life on it. We can trust the Bible. We can trust the Gospels. We can trust 
Jesus and we can trust that he must have risen from the dead. Otherwise, it would have been disproved and none of these people would have done what they did in the time that they did it. To me, it's an open and shut case. Thousands of listeners heard Jesus over his time. Most of them were gone by the time the crucifixion came. There was only a handful of people. There's the apostles and a few women. They were still following him. He appeared to a few of them on the, uh, over the next 40 days. But from thousands following him and believing him to a very small group, it grew again. Because it's true. It's not... Christianity isn't built on stories of a good man who wants us to be nice to one another. Christianity is built on the man, Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, who is far more than a man. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah himself. He's God himself. He willingly died. He was innocent, but he willingly died to pay the penalty for our sins that I couldn't pay and you can't pay on your own. Jesus Christ did that for us. He died to cancel the debt and to free us from sin, to free us from sorrow, to free us from addiction, to free us from pain. That's Jesus Christ. It's not a philosophy. It's not a religion. It's built on the, on the man Christ who is both God and man. He died so we could have life. He wasn't just a nice guy and a good teacher. In fact, he told people that he was the son of God. He told people that he would rise from the dead. So either, as, as Josh McDowell said, either he was a liar and he lied to everyone or he was a lunatic. And he thought that it was true and it wasn't, or he is who he says he is, and he is the Lord, Jesus Christ. And we believe in this morning, I hope that just in this quick way, I said I could give you enough proof, truly, that he overcame death, he rose again, so that we could rise from the dead as well. See, we don't just receive forgiveness of sins here. We get to go to heaven because of that. Because of, of what Jesus Christ did, because of the resurrection, we are forgiven, and we have life eternal. He is risen, no fooling. What does the resurrection have to do with our everyday lives? Well, first, again, we need to know that belief in the resurrection separates Christianity from all other religions that exist. Without the resurrection, Christianity isn't Christianity. Just chalk us up with another great philosophy. You know what? There's a lot of great teachings in Buddhism. I mean, th there just are. You know, how many angry Buddhists do you find? I mean, they just, they got some really nice things going on in their life. But they don't have Jesus. See, we, without the resurrection, Christianity is just the same as Buddhism or anything else. It's the resurrection that separates it. And that's what makes it the key point and then also makes it change for us. I'm going to use 1 Corinthians 15 to give us five benefits, if, if you will, of, of the resurrection. And it's, fun, it's interesting because I'm going to read the rest through 20 that, that we were reading a moment ago. Let's start in verse 12. Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God 
Because we've testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. If the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have actually perished completely, is what it's saying. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. But now Christ has risen from the dead and has be, he has become the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. So what I want to do is I want to take some of these statements and I want to turn them around for us this morning. These are all negatives. If Christ isn't risen from the dead, then our faith is futile. We're still lost in our sins. I'm going to turn these around and say these in positive and take them a little bit out of order uh, because and, and just give you five things. If Christ is risen from the dead, then we are forgiven of our sins. So if he's not, we can't be forgiven. But if Christ is risen from the dead, then we can be forgiven of our sins. We have a need and a longing in our hearts. We, we, we understand that there's something wrong when we're lost in our sins. The Bible says all have sinned and we shall fall short of the glory of God. The death of Jesus takes away our sin because he says he bore our sins and our judgment in 1 Corinthians 15, 3, right where we read. But Romans 4.25 says this, he, washed, he was handed over to death on account of our transgression and he was raised on account of our justification. We're justified, forgiven of our sins because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. This morning, the message for all of us is that we can have forgiveness of sin no matter what sin it is no matter what you've done if we put our faith in christ he says that he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness because he rose from the dead and he's trustworthy if he's risen from the gra grave then we can have our forgiven our sins forgiven two if he's risen from the grave then our faith is well founded and that's a good thing our faith is founded. Instead of saying just negatively that our faith is, is uh, in vain, or not in vain, we can say positively that because of the resurrection, our faith is well-founded. In other words, because of the resurrection, there is someone who can trust absolutely. We can trust Jesus. We can put all of our hope and trust in the man who is able to conquer death. I've got some great friends and heard of some wonderful people. None of them can do that. Jesus is worth putting our trust in. Some of you in this room say, I have a friend I can trust him with, all, with anything. And that's good. But no, no one can be as well trusted as Jesus Christ. It's well founded. He rose from the dead for us. We all want someone that we can count on. I can't tell you how many times in my life you, you, you have a relationship. You meet someone and you kind of think, wow, this, this is going to be like my, my Jonathan and David relationship. You know, just that deep, deep thing and something comes up and blows it apart, you find out and it's just, we're always looking for that deep friendship. Jesus Christ will never let you down. He will always be there. We want that kind of relationship because we were made for it. Made for that deep kind of fellowship and God wants to have it with each of us. That's why he walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. He wanted to walk with man. In in. Spite of sin, that need has never changed. And now we can, because we're forgiven of our sins, we can have that in Christ, have that in God. 
because Christ has risen from the dead, what the apostles preached is true. It's true. In verse 15, instead of saying negatively that the apostles are not false witnesses, we can say positively that because of the resurrection, the apostles preach what is true. You know, young people are, are, have been being taught since the 70s that truth is relative. And, and they've done such a good job that it's creeped into Christianity. And we just say, well, whatever you believe is good for you, and what I believe is good for me, and let's just all sing kumbaya. It's not true. Truth is not relative. There is a truth. The Bible says, Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. What the apostles preached was true, and we can base everything on that truth. We don't have to apologize for standing up for truth, whatever the Bible says. Now, when we stand up for truth in the Bible, we do it with love. We do it with mercy and grace. But, but we don't have to, to say, say things, well, you know, um, I think being married to just one woman is good, but hey, if you want to be married to five, that's fine, whatever you believe. You know, if you want to shack up with 12 people, or if you want to shack up, you know, I, I believe that, that God wants me to live in a heterosexual, monogamous relationship, but if you want to live in a homosexual relationship, that's fine. You know, I, I believe that I shouldn't, you know, steal, steal money from the bank, but if you think that's okay, you know, you work there a long time and you probably have it coming for you, that's okay for you. Right? They're just crazy. There is truth. And we can trust the truth. What the apostles told us about Jesus, what the apostles told us is true. And we can have a conviction that there actually are absolutes in this world. And absolutes for society. And it comes back to so many simple things. We're a lot of fear, a lot of discomfort today in, in the world wondering about shootings. You know, a, a couple of years ago, Denny, Denny told me about this. During our Easter service, was it last year or the year before? Denny, do you remember? The cops showed up in their, like, in their, full, in their full gear, in their full gear, like, like you know, SWAT gear. And they come through the parking lot, and Denny was in the back, and she was greeting well, apparently, the best guess we can get is a little kid pushed the panic button on the alarm system on Easter morning, and they showed up thinking probably that it was an active shooter situation. And it was in the middle of service, and I didn't even know what happened. Denny told me later they came, they checked, they cleared the whole building. They cleared all the rooms, checked it all out, and everything was fine. <sighs> it was, but it's really no joke. We, we're, we have fears of sending our kids to school. And then people saying, well, what's, what's, what's the cause of all this? And it's interesting to hear what everyone thinks is the cause of all this. You know, we're going to blame inanimate object or whatever. I don't want to go to the political side. But, but there was, I, I saw something, if, if, if you're here this morning, I, I don't even know who it was, and I'm pretty sure you're not, because I think it was somebody off the hill. They said, I think the cause of all the school shootings is the rise of evangelical Christianity, the rise of evangelical Christianity is the cause of the school shootings. Well, it's interesting that as the school shootings, which started a little over 10 years ago, have been rising, evangelical Christianity has been on the decline. So is it possible that the rise of school shootings is actually the opposite 
It's because evangelical Christianity is taking a back seat. In other words, the morals of the Bible and who we believe and who we trust and who we live for, God being the center of the universe and the center of our lives, as we allow him to not be that, we're in a worse position than we are. There are absolute truths. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's got to be first in our lives. The apostles preach what is true. If Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, then we are to be envied. Right? It, it, it said negatively, it says we're, we're to be pitied. If, if Jesus Christ is not risen from the dead, we're to be pitied above all men. But if he is risen from the dead, that means we should be envied. Now, now this is something that most Christians don't feel. I think most of us Christians, uh, when we go out into the world, into, into other public places, we're kind of on the defense. <gasps> Are you a Christian? I don't know. <sighs> it depends if you're going to say something mean to me. You know, we are supposed to be envied. Why? Because we have the truth. I mean, we have the answers. And we're to be envied. Our lives count for something. You know, at the end of life, people go, people begin, to, as they get older and older, they start going, did my, what did my life mean? Did my life count for anything? Was I good enough? And we begin to do this. As a Christian, if you live for Christ, following Him, obeying Him, living and, and serving Him in the Great Commission, in the Great Commandment, then your life means something. It counts for something. And I tell you, when I get to the end of my life, I can say I, I live for the right cause and, and, and my life would be enviable. Not because of me, but because of Him. I found peace. I found hope. I found joy. I found everlasting life. That's what I have. I may not have a lot of money, and I may not leave a great legacy in this world, but I found Jesus, and he's given me these things. And you have too. And you're to be envied because of that. I, that could change our lives if we begin to walk around going, wow, I have something that the whole world needs. That would be kind of cool. <laughs> I got it. Let's share it. You have it, but share it. Another benefit of Jesus Christ, his risen from the day, dead, is that those who've fallen asleep in him are alive. And those who will fall asleep in him will live. When I go to a funeral, when I perform a, a funeral or memorial service, it's really easy to do a memorial service, funeral for somebody who was a Christian. It's a little bit more difficult to do one for somebody who was not. In fact, because it's the day for, for mourning in the family, I actually don't talk about eternal, about where that person went. Because without Jesus, it's not a good answer. So actually, in those memorials and funerals, I, I don't even address where that person is. I talk about eternal life and how you can have it. Those who fall asleep, those who die in Christ, really don't die. They live forever. And that's amazing. And that's something that I believe all of us want. None of us want to spend a life of torment, spend a life of difficulty, 
Isn't this, this life can be a life of torment and difficulty. Who would want to do that forever and worse? But heaven, to be with Christ, no more tears, the Bible says, no more pain, no more sorrow. We're alive with him. No perishing. It's the greatest news in all the world. In raising from the dead, he gave us forgiveness and he glorified Jesus as the all-sufficient forgiver. In raising him from the dead, God gave us a friend to count on and glorify Jesus as utterly reliable. In raising him from the dead, he gave us guidance and unchanging truth and glorified Jesus as the absolute foundation for truth and righteousness. He gave us a life that's not pitiable, but it's enviable. He gave a ministry that's not in vain, but it's fruitful. And the glorified Jesus is the source and goal of all of our life and ministry. And in raising him from the dead, God gave us everlasting joy that won't end when we die. He glorified Jesus as the author of life and the victor over death and the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. Jesus Christ was the first fruits of those who died and he lives again to say, to show us that we can live again. Jesus made a lot of claims about himself. The world talks a lot about Jesus, how he's just a, a good guy with a good heart and he's a good teacher. No, he's more than that. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He has the answers to all your questions. He has the answers to your needs, to my needs. Today isn't it just a religious holiday. But on this day... I want to ask us all to make a step. So all to take another step. One of the things that, that the, here at Christian Center, we're all on a journey. We're all on a faith journey. And no matter where you're at on that journey, whether you've ever accepted Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, or you have and you're just beginning your walk, or you've been saved for 40 or 50 years, until we get to heaven, we're all on a journey. All of us. And I'm glad that you're here no matter what part of the journey you're on so there's a couple of steps that I'm going to encourage us today the first is this is to believe in Jesus some of you just need to believe in him for the first time when Jesus died on the cross he died for your sin and he died for mine whatever we owed God Jesus paid it it's nice to know that somebody will pay a debt that wasn't theirs and Jesus Christ paid the ultimate debt on the cross Jesus said it's finished that means it was all done. Nothing more had to be done. You don't have to earn your salvation. You don't have to earn your ticket to heaven. You don't have to pay penance. You don't have to give Hail Marys. You don't have to do anything to earn salvation. Jesus Christ paid for it. So it's just receive. It's just believe that what I've been talking about is true and receive forgiveness. Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll have everlasting life. We turn from our sins. So that the first thing this morning is to, to just begin to put your hope and your trust to believe in Jesus Christ, to forgive you of your sins, and to be who he says he is. Will you put your trust in the death and the resurrection of him for? Others of us, we need to learn how to trust him a little bit more. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while. You need to learn how to trust him a little bit more with your life. 
This morning's a great day to do that. Some of you might be holding on to a, a way of doing things and you're doing it your own way. Today's a good day to stop doing it your way and do it His way. Trust Him. In other words, don't let any other people's opinions, including your own, be uh, weightier, heavier than God's opinion of you and for you and for your life. Let His thinking and His opinion be the ultimate. Don't let Him just be a religion. Let it be a relationship and trust in Him a little bit more. He knows and sees what you're going through right now and He really does care. He knew that you would be here this morning and He went to great lengths to forgive you and to have a relationship with you. He wants to walk with you and to know you and He wants you to trust Him a little bit more. And maybe this morning there's another group of people and that's a group, somebody in here who needs to sell out completely. Sell out and take this message, the gospel to the, the whole world. You need to say, I'm just ready. I'm going to give it all. I'm going to just go. I'm going to go where he calls me. I'm going I'm to just be willing to just follow him and do whatever he calls me to do. I'll go to the mission field. I'll go to L.A. I'll go, I'll go to anywhere. L.A. is a scary place. And sell out. Say, nothing's going to hold me back. I can lose family. I can lose friends. I can lose my job, but I'm going to sell out. We start living a, in a way that makes a big deal out of God, going after the life and love that Jesus lived. I'm not going to, for a few reasons, we're not going to ask anyone to, to come forward today because I don't think we have any room. But right from where you're at, everyone just bow your heads, if you will. Just spend a moment with God. If you're here this morning and, and you're in that first group, say, you know, I've never believed God to save me. I've never believed in Him to be my, my rescuer and my Savior. I've done this on my own, and I need to believe in Him. And you want to do that this morning. Every head, every head is down. Every eye is closed. But just as you're reaching up to God, say, God, that's me. I want to believe in you for the very first time. Just raise your hand. Because that's you, and if that's you, I want you to, I invite you to pray a simple prayer, something like this. You can do it right now with me. Say, dear God, I believe in Jesus, that he died for my sin, and that he rose from the dead. And that's about all I know. But I ask you to come into my life forgive me of my sin make me a new person give me the strength and courage to live for you I want to believe you more I want to be a Christian if you're part of that that second group that just needs to grow a little bit more and needs to trust him a little bit more. Just, just raise maybe, let's just raise both your hands. You can just put them in front of you or raise them high. Because we're going to receive something from God today.
as we trust in him. Heavenly Father, each of us are on a journey, and I would pray for each one lifting their hands to you who wants to trust you more with their life, that you would help them to cast their their cares upon you and to begin to trust you. Thank you for this this day, Lord. I pray that you would remove the things in their life that are causing them to doubt and causing them to hold on to their way of doing things. We commit ourselves afresh to you today. Say we want to trust you with every part of our life. We want to grow in our relationship with you. Become the people that you want us to become. And finally, if, if there is someone in here who has just been burning in your heart and, and, and you just know it's time to sell out and give it all to him, I want you just to lift your hands up. Surrender it all. Say, God, I give you my everything. I don't hold anything back. Where you want me to go, I will go. I will follow you and serve you no matter what the cost. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and power today. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and power today, I pray. Lord, I pray for those that are lifting their hands, God, that you would infuse them, fill them with your Spirit, God, and help them to accomplish what you have for them as they give their life completely over to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. He is risen. risen Amen. Love one another today. Uh, Melissa will be back out in the pad if you want to talk to her and get to know a little bit more about the church. And if you have any questions, um, do that. There might still be a little bit of food, just fellowship. There's some coffee. Love one another and and enjoy your your resurrection Sunday with family. We'd love to see you back here next week, 930. God bless you.